coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, where we dive deep into the world of franchising and explore stories behind successful franchise brands. And I'm your host, Rob Ganley, and today is no different. In fact, I've got a double treat for you. We're joined by two remarkable guests from Ivy Kids, an early education center franchise. First, we have Amin Bindali. He is the CEO and one of the founders of Ivy Kids, whose visionary leadership has shaped the brand into what it is today. And we're going to dive in deeper on that as we talk. And also joining him is Dick Wren. He is the director of franchise development, and he is focused on the, the brand's growth and driving overall success into the future. So together... Uh, they bring a wealth of knowledge and experience in the early education and franchise industries. And we're excited to learn more about Ivy Kids' journey and their unique approach for early childhood education. So without further ado, let's welcome both Amin and Dick to the show. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. It's great to have you. So I'd like to start with you, Amin, the CEO. I love, I love the vision question. I love the why question of these brands. Tell me a little bit about how this came to be, what, what sort of was the, the why behind the vision, and, and where are you headed? Yeah, so I think the why behind the vision really started with, hey, how do we provide high-quality care, and what does high-quality care look like? And to give you a bit of a background with Ivy Kids, it was actually founded by my parents, Alan Layla, and they faced that conundrum when my brother and I were young kids. You know, we had moved to a growing suburb in Houston, you know, bustling Houston area, and they really just could not find great childcare for my brother and I. You know, we would be in school and then we'd show up with a bump and a bruise and there'd be no report as to why that was, no teacher to discuss that with, right? There was no curriculum. So my parents being engineers thought about childcare and reversed engineered, hey, what would a great school look like, right? What are the things that make childcare unique and how can this thing be more than just a daycare? So since then, the vision, um, they're still very active, but I've kind of taken over those CEO reins since has been a focus on curriculum and enrichment, safety, great food, and then us being successful operators of our corporate locations. Yeah, right. You know, profitability definitely helps to run a great business. And you actually, that was brilliant what you just said. I want to just, I just want to mention something. I was watching an interview recently with Steve Jobs. It was his biographer. His biographer was being interviewed. And it was just talking about the, the last couple of years of his life. And uh, when he was interviewing Steve and one of the things he said, well, I don't know if it was that or it was, it, well, it was connected, but here's what he said about, he was challenged on some technology and some, some things they had abandoned and uh, by, by somebody in an audience. And his response was, we try to reverse engineer customer experience and start from what we want the customer to experience. And that's exactly what your parents 
that said. And I thought that's the way to do it, right? Because it's like not so much for technology for technology's sake. It's what's the customer want? That's what your parents did. And it's like, what do these parents need? What do the kids need? And what do we build? And that's what we need to focus on. So I thought that's brilliant. So tell me a little bit about that. What what exactly, what do you think is sort of the differentiators? And and Dick, if you want to jump in or I mean either one, but what what makes you guys unique? What If you had to summarize that fairly quickly, what is the differences? Yeah, you know, I think when you walk into the school, you can immediately tell, hey, this is not daycare. You know, you're being buzzed in. There's a safety component to that, right? Um, you're be- being led into a secure facility. Uh, you have a wonderful admin team that knows your name, that knows the name of your child. Um, you know, the school, it feels like something that, hey, is is kind of a uh, uh, an extension from home, you know, it, it's got, uh, it doesn't have that daycare smell, you know, it, it's a nice classroom environment. Um, you know, these are spacious uh, schools too, you know, the classrooms are not jam packed with children, you know, we have an adequate square footage where when the children come in, they have an area for dramatic play and for circle time and for the younger children for uh, for having snack and having food, right? So just the way the school looks and feels, I think has a really big impression, but I would just say our curriculum is bar none, our biggest differentiator, you know, with it not only being based off of research, but the fact that parents get assessments of how their children are doing, they can take those assessments and, sh- and share it with their pediatrician to see, hey, what are the milestones of my child? Are we above or below? Are there any developmental delays, right? And catching that from such a young age has such a great impact on the long-term viability of the child. I think curriculum is a huge differentiator. And I think just our safety and the transparency. You know, one of the, the things that we do that, that few childcare providers have is camera access in our classrooms. So parents, they're able to log in securely, they're able to see into their child's classroom, and they know exactly what's going on. Uh, And in fact, that tool is probably most popular with grandparents, especially grandparents that live far away from their, their, um, their loved ones. So they can see exactly what's going on to the classroom. They can see, hey, at 1030, we do this. We have our nap time at 12 o'clock. Our t- we have an, ac- an adequate number of teachers in the classroom. We don't have more children than what the state requires. So I think all of those things, you know, combine play a big role in overall why parents really value Ivy Kids and why we've been a trusted provider for almost 20 years now. Yeah. Now you hit all the boxes. I It's been a little while for me. Um, my kids are in college now, so I got a different set of uh, things I'm looking at. Uh, but I wish I I wish I heard that when when I put my kids in that position. Uh, I mean, there was uh, we worked with some brands, uh, some franchises weren't bad. Nothing like what you're describing. The transparency, security, and education so important. Like just being able to say to my son, I could because he was an energetic kid <laughs> to say, "Hey, I saw you today. I was watching you. You know, I saw you were doing X, Y, or Z, or not doing X, Y, or Z. Just one time, you could probably do that, and it would be good for the rest of his time there, right?" Oh so. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a, a 19-month-old and and now a seven-week-old, but the 19-month-old we have at uh, one of our Ivy Kids locations. So we put her in at at nine months, and I was nervous, you know, just like every parent, any parent, and then. 
now having that camera access, boy, it feels great, you know. Uh, and if it's been a long day, just going on my uh, my iPhone app and seeing into that classroom. But now I'm like, man, when she graduates kindergarten and goes into elementary school, what am I going to do? You know, I'm not able to track that child. So I think that's a conundrum a lot of parents are going to be facing yeah. uh, on the road. I think you, you're exactly you're like up leveling education uh, at the uh, at that level. And then they, they go in, uh, get a little older and it's not as good. I think we should have the transparency all the way through. It would be helpful. I don't know if the kids would want it. But anyway, so um, let's dive into a little bit. I as I as I hear you guys, and I know I've spent a little time taking a look at the brand, and and I do interview a lot of different brands and business models, and uh, the the kind of candidate I was going to ask you, Dick. You know, mm-hmm. what I, I know that obviously kids have to be darn important. <laughs> you know, um, kids to somebody uh, to to run a business like this, but. I'm sure there's more to it. So what 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 does a candidate look for? What are you looking for? Uh, what kind of qualities? In a yeah, candidate? it's a great, great question. I think one of our main points is just having someone that has a passion for this industry and a passion for education and and has shown that and has potentially even has young children that may have experienced the same types of things that other parents are experiencing in terms of trying to find uh, what Alan Layla did is high quality uh, education space. And then, uh, you know, we really want to try to find someone that has a team building experience and management experience because our facilities, uh, there's a lot of people that are involved in it. So we have center directors and education directors, administrative assistants, and then a whole uh, staff of teachers. And so you really have to have someone who has that skill set that, okay, I can assemble and build and manage a team to make sure that that we're following the systems that we're giving to you. Uh, if you find someone that's too entrepreneurial, they, they may not be a good fit for franchising because franchising is all designed around a proven operating system that we've developed for them. And, and so if, if we think that that candidate may want to play outside of the sandbox, so to speak, they may not be someone that we feel is right for us. Yeah, no, that is that is so key and so important um, because we talk all the time about franchise networks and it's like it's like one body, if you will, right? Like you can't, if, you affect, if one person's affected, the other person's affected eventually. And you, 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 it's so important to have everybody on board pointing in the same direction. And that's that's not an easy thing to accomplish. But one of the reasons franchising is so successful is because of that idea. And I think when teams get lax or the recruiting gets lax in terms of who you're bringing in, uh, that just spells trouble for the brand and for everybody, really. I mean, it's not a good fit for anyone. So it's hard to, I know it's hard. Guys like you with experience know I play, I, I'm not going to go down that road, right? I mean, if they're not a fit, they're not a fit. And that's the beauty of franchising, I believe is that uh it it you know you take a lot of time up front make sure it's a good fit but then the success is usually pretty much a matter of following the process which is awesome uh so go ahead yeah i just want to add one thing is a a really unique part of of ivy kids is that it's really a team decision too this isn't something that just i make or or amin makes is that when we have 
candidates in for discovery day, they get to meet everyone on the executive team. And when we conclude that, we all as a team discuss that candidate uh, to make sure that they're a right fit for every department. So they, they have to be right for operations. They have to be right for marketing. They have to be right for curriculum. And then, of course, they have to be right for the system in its own right, which is, I think, just a phenomenal way of, of bringing in the right people. That's actually the first time I've heard it put that way. That's very well well put. Um, you know, because and I, what I'll follow up with and either of you guys could take this question. But so what does it then look like? Right. So they're going to if they are the right fit and, and then you offer you extend the offer uh, award the franchise or what have you. Um, what does that look like in terms of onboarding and that maybe that first year? Because I know that's a year where you really want to get people going. Uh, there's probably some metrics you're looking at to kind of get them going at a certain time frame. But kind of tell me about that first year experience for folks once they they do prove to be a good fit. Yeah, you know, I think support really starts right at signing the franchise agreement, you know, and, and we and we help them first before we look at sites or anything like that with understanding, hey, let, let's talk a little bit about what the brand is, right? Uh, let's talk a little bit about our history. Let's let's discuss, you know, how we sit with uh, the competitive landscape that's out there, right? And why parents make a decision to go with Ivy Kids. You know, as Dick mentioned before, we're looking for people with passion and who've been successful in a previous career going into Ivy Kids. So now they've been very successful in another field and in another career, and now they're brand new in a totally different environment. And most of our franchisees come from other environments other than childcare. So we want to build up their experiences, not just with early childhood development, but also management, financial planning, business planning, uh, site selection, all of these components that make a successful business. We assume that that franchisee has, has not had that experience in the past. Okay. So initially one of the first steps site selection, you know, I actually visit each site in person and spend a day with that franchisee traveling to locations to ensure that, Hey, this fits the Ivy kid standard. Okay. Um, LOIs, negotiation on that, right? Looking at the business plan and looking at the economics, what's the amount of enrollment needed to break even on this location? What is the ramp up? What's the working capital required? What does the financing environment look like? That all are significant pieces that a franchisee needs to understand in order to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. And then once that, that uh, school has been closed on, once construction begins on that, really that's when a lot of operational training starts. So we assign that franchisee a pre-opening specialist and their, and their role is to have bi-weekly calls with that franchisee throughout construction and provide not only project management on how that how that franchisee is doing for construction milestones, but providing just-in-time training. We don't want to just have one large classroom training, right? And give and give the franchisee all the information at one period of time, you know, because we've learned as educators, hey, that's a poor way of learning, right? So we've got to practice what we preach in our classrooms. So we want to have just-in-time training right during the correct milestones and make sure that that franchisee, as well as their management team who is operating the day-to-day -day in the business, not only understand 
Childcare not only understand the minimum standards required to operate a school, but really understand Ivy Kids front and back. So by the time they're opening the doors, they feel confident in, in running the school. Another thing that's unique with our business and our business plan is that you can gain enrollment while the school is under construction. So during that nine month period when a school is being built, right, you'll have the coming soon sign and you'll have parents that are inquiring about enrollment. And if we're picking um, the site correctly, you know, we're, you're going to have a lot of interest during that period of time. So telling that parent about your brand, the differentiators, and hey, if they put $150 or $100, they can, um, they can have a, a, a seat for their child, you know, um, that really helps as well with the economics of the school and with opening up that location. So those are the kinds of things that we want to instill in our franchisees. That's how we, that's how we train. And then while the school is open, we have a, you know, it's six straight weeks of us either being at the school or having a checkup. And then gradually we'll have business consultant visits, quality assurance visits, and multiple touch points throughout that franchisee's first year. That's amazing. I love the just in time because the overwhelm is such a, a struggle with all of this. I mean, whether no matter what the business model, uh, when you're launching a franchise business, there's a lot of details. And you're right. A lot of people don't have all those details. They don't have a background in everything. But man, like little things like negotiate, you kind of threw out, oh, what would be profitable with this location? Like that's important. That understanding how size, square footage would impact, you know, revenues and profit. Like, you know, how would you know that if you didn't run that type of business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then the the idea of, uh, I, I haven't heard that either. So you guys, you guys pre-sell and that's perfectly legit because you really only have so much space. And so you want to, you obviously want to fill it up and be ready to open. So why not just open that, that, that dialogue as uh, how, how far in advance do you do that? Do you do it like nine months in advance or three months in advance or just, and just till you book out or how does that work? We, we do it as soon as we start the groundbreaking. So we'll invite the, you know, chamber of commerce, we'll invite the mayor and, and we'll announce, Hey, spots are filling up. So, and, and they really are, you know, I was at a groundbreaking a few weeks ago and we had a parent that walked by in their stroller and they said, Oh, this is a childcare center. Um, give me some more information. And in fact, they pre-enrolled during that groundbreaking, which was a first for me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, childcare is in really high demand. And the, the phrase childcare deserts uh, is a phrase that Americans probably didn't know before COVID and now is on the front of every parent with young children. You know, it can be very hard to find high quality childcare. So, you know, when we're right, when we're starting that construction process, we're, we're in markets where parents are searching for high quality care. And we've got to get our name out there. We've got to make sure that our owners, folks that are representing our brand, understand who we are, what makes us unique, uh, know the details about our curriculum in order for them to have an educated conversation with the parent for that parent to make that enrollment decision. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better than natural scarcity. Like I'm a big marketer, right? Like I, but I mean, I, when I use scarcity, I want it to be legit scarcity. Just yeah. if you can work, but you don't want to not say it. It's like, we only have so much space. Sure. <laughs> like that's, the, 
that's the reality, right? So that works great. It's just, hey, I'd love to talk to you. We do things different. So that's great. So that that that's a great launch plan. And tell me a little bit just as a follow-up to this, and, and then we'll we'll go in a slightly different direction. But in terms of a follow-up, what types of marketing do you think is most important to this kind of a business? Obviously, word of mouth. It, there is a, I guess you, you got a cap, so you want to maintain that full vacancy, if you will, right? Um, but what what other marketing do you do and how do you approach it? Do you to turn it on and off when you need to? Uh, tell me how you approach ongoing marketing. What, what works best in your in your business? Absolutely. I mean, as you as you pointed out, word of mouth is is critical with the success of our schools. You know, net promoter score. We survey our parents twice a year. We look at that number, uh, you know, in detail, and we look at every school. And net promoter score is the best metric for determining your future enrollment. The best metric. Um, but but you know, and then in addition to that, I would say reviews and making sure, hey, we're responding to every review. Maybe We've got great online presence. Of our marketing too is our materials that we have on our website. You know, parents want to know a lot about our curriculum. They want to know about our differentiators. They want to know about the safety. What kind of violations ha- have been had at the school? And that are that those are things that parents can research and they can find readily accessible. You know, you can see in any state the number of citations that a school had, whether it's on probation or not. So having a great online presence is really important, but also making sure that those materials are accessible and transparent for parents is really important. You know, parents do spend a lot of time on our website looking at prospective parents, looking at what are the meal plans, right? What are the upcoming menu items looking like? What's examples of our curriculum? So we want to have those materials readily present. But I would say in addition to that too, I mean, we we invest a lot of time and effort on our search engine optimization to make sure that parents are, you know, that we're bringing in the right folks that are that are feeding in, looking for high quality childcare, that are not just looking for necessarily tutoring or, or home care, um, but are looking for uh, something related to Ivy Kids. You know, I think those are great um, uh, ways that we market, but. Even even with old school ways, you know, when parents come in, they come for a tour, right? They want the handouts to, to and the booklets and the brochures so they can read about the curriculum. They want to have that really nice enrollment packet, enrollment folder. And then we want to make sure that, hey, each school really feels like a community asset in the area that they're in. That they're not just providing value to the parents that are there, but the community as a whole. So having great community events like a fall festival, a back to school festival, that's not just open to our parents, but really the greater community, you know, uh, blood drives, those type of things, they may bring new parents, but I think that creates a, a positive buzz in the community that, wow, Ivy Kids wants to open itself up to this area. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful school. Um, it's really trying to make a positive impact on the community. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there, well, a lot of brands approach it that way. And that, that, you know, that community networking, you know, can't be understated. There's other businesses, there's everybody's a family. You never know who has, who has kids that are the right age. Uh, so, you know, just being out there in the community and, and that, I think that's why we all do this though, too. Right. I know, I know the brand is important and making money is important, uh, but it's about helping people and it's about you helping people where you live. And that's what I love about 
all the brands that I talk to is they do so much for their communities in so many different ways. So, but that is a great way to market, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's no yeah. better way to say, Hey, uh, yeah, I ought to check them out. It's like, not even just because you did the right thing. And yeah. so, and again, if parents, I mean, man, if, if parents are satisfied at this level, it is, yeah, they're just going to tell everybody about it. And they're hanging out with people typically that are like them. So mm. I can see where that's a self-fulfilling engine. And you don't have to make it too difficult other than following the playbook, right? Providing great service. So before I wanted to ask you guys about the business side a little bit, like what it takes to get started and what's what's possible with the business. Before I do that, though, I wanted to dive just a little deeper into the education because I know that is so important. And I believe so important to everything. Like I believe if we could do a better job with education early, that it would impact the world so profoundly. Like, I just don't think we've ever done it that well. And I'm sure you guys are really, you know, closing that gap. So tell me, how does like some of the modern technologies that we're hearing about today, we talked about a little before the show, what are you guys looking at? I know you're always keeping an eye on what works best, what will help these kids the most, meet them where they are. But tell me a little bit about how you guys stay on top of that and make sure your education is some of the best out there. Yeah, I think that's a great question. So I think we look at a variety of items in order to make sure that the education we're providing is, is fantastic, right? So the first is research, right? What does the research tell us for the e for ECD? You know, I mean, one, it tells us how important it is that every dollar invested in early childhood development has massive returns and it just lowers as you go to college. So going to a great child care provider has a better return on investment than going to an Ivy League college, believe it or not. Right. But, uh, you know, in addition to that, when we look at research, that's a huge, uh, a huge aspect that leads to our curriculum development. Right. Going into our curriculum. We call our curriculum the multi-prep curriculum because we use a multiple intelligence theory in order to provide great preparation for, uh, for elementary school, high school, and onwards, right? And the belief behind that is that each child is different and they have their own genius, okay? Multiple intelligences, multi-prep curriculum. You know, for example, you, Rob, maybe you're great learning in a group, right? having people bounce ideas off each other um, and then learning and, and, you know, you're hearing people and then you're, you're taking that in. Whereas me, for example, I like reading a book, you know, I like to sit in a quiet place and I like to absorb by doing that. Right. So that is research that is very recent, but has been proven over and over again. And in fact, the pioneer from it was Harvard professor Howard Gardner. So as a result of this research, we took our curriculum and we said, hey, let's take one concept and let's teach it in different ways. So for example, counting in even numbers, let's do that as a group activity. And then tomorrow, let's do that as a reading activity and some quiet time. And then let's go outside, let's grab even number of leaves and let's do that as an athletic contest too. So now we're teaching that in many different ways that children are comfortable with, but also now it allows them to learn it in different ways, right? Yeah. So I think we look at that and we think, okay, that's research-based, okay? Yeah. Other things, when you're talking about technology, STEM, you're hearing that all the time, right? And STEM has been on the forefront with us since we opened our first school in 2005, okay? Since that first school, we've taught science and coding for children ages two and up. 
So they're walking in and we have an enrichment coordinator. We have curriculum again from our Ivy Kids Systems team that provides this. And those children are doing science-based activities. They're doing coding on a smart board or they're using offline tools to still learn the concepts of coding. Okay, because another uh, big research advice, uh, research piece that's come up has been screen time. Right. And there are great components of having a screen. Right. I mean, when you grow up, you're going to be around screens all day. Right. Interacting with the screen in order to do work effectively. But also that can have negative effects when it comes to attention span, when it comes to vision, when it comes to, you know, a host of other things. So we want to make sure, hey, these children are being equipped for a technological future that they have a step ahead, but also that they have a limited screen time. So that way their children, they're not addicted to their devices and, and, and those type of items, and that we can create a balance where they're, where they're still exceeding in this, um, in this environment. And then I think another facet too about, um, you know, about research and, and, and what, what the trends are showing and how we're providing quality care is with languages. You know, multiple languages have a huge effect on how children perform throughout elementary school, throughout high school, and, and what their future performance looks like, right? So we provide Spanish as well for ages two and up. They're coming in, that enrichment coordinator, one day they're doing a science activity, and then the following day they're doing Spanish. And it, it feels almost immersive uh, when you're in that, that uh, Spanish environment. Um, and then things that we look down the road, you know, uh, we were chatting a bit before uh, our, our um, you know, uh, today's session, but, you know, thinking about AI, you know, uh, I think automated intelligence, like children are, are, are going to be exposed to that and it's going to be a, play a huge role in, in when they become adults. So us thinking about, hey, what are some ways that, that we can think about this? How do we look at our operations? How do we look at our development? And how does that tie into, um, you know, the child today? So all of those things, I think, play a, play a big role in, in who we are. Yeah, sold. Totally sold. No, that's, that's top notch. And you deserve the name Ivy. So, uh, but I think getting, getting an education early uh, is so key. I just, I, that's all I ever hear is, is how much we really learn early on and, uh, if we do it right, I think it really helps kids. So it's great that you're there. And I know parents really care. So, all right. So that's the good news is that you're really helping the world. You're impacting or helping the community. So let's talk real quick about money here. Let's talk about the, the financial side of things. Because one is, you know, the questions often people have is, is this even doable for me? So they get real passionate. I would love to do something like that. But can I can I do it financially? Like, what does it really take? So that's question one uh, A and one B would be what is possible? Like, you know, what can you do in one of these businesses? What are, what is the goal for some, I mean, is multi uh, unit location uh, very common or could be common? Uh, how does one scale or grow? But give me both ends of that. What does it take to get started and where can it go from a business point of view for those entrepreneurs out there that, uh, that are interested and either one of you, Dick or, or, uh, or I mean, it's up to you. Yeah, I'll be happy to to take part of it and then uh, and then see where where it land, lands and if I mean he's got to kind of fill in the gaps he can. But we we have several different areas uh, to get into involved in our business. We have two different types of prototypical buildings. We have a, a ten thousand square foot facility 
and we have a 15,000 square foot facility. So the only difference in enrollment is about 30 students. So it's 210 on the small and 240 on the larger. So it's not a massive difference in terms of, of, of the amount of kids that we can have in the centers. Uh, but, uh, you know, the startup costs run somewhere between about 4.7 and 5.7 million on the smaller one and somewhere in about 6.7 to 9.4 million on the larger one. Uh, but we all, and that's where that franchisee is going to own their own land and their own building and the business as well. Uh, we also have a lease program, a long-term lease program where, uh, a franchise owner can get in where we're going to help them find a developer that will buy the land, build the building, and then lease it back to them. And that investment range runs somewhere between about 687 and $1.2 million. And so what, from a financial requirement, you know, we're, we're really looking for candidates or groups. It doesn't have to be singles. It could be couples. It could be multiple couples uh that have uh, a net worth somewhere uh, north of six hundred and fifty thousand dollars combined with liquid assets somewhere uh north of three hundred thousand dollars and right. and the reason that we use those uh, minimums uh the startup costs are in our item seven in our franchise disclosure document is this is what the lenders look for when uh, we go look, help them assist in finding financing. And so on a, a typical land and building investment, uh, the lenders are looking for a 10% cash non-borrowed uh, investment. Uh, on a lease program, they're looking somewhere of about a 20% cash infusion with an additional liquid funds that are out there. Gotcha. Well, that sounds doable though, right? I mean, that, that is for folks that, and most franchisees, you know, they tend to be later in their career and uh, it could be something that uh, they do as a second step. But I mean, that number seems very doable for, for, you know, a couple of professionals that have been working out there for a while and want to do their own thing. It's not, you know, when I think of some numbers, it is a much bigger concern, right? But that's very doable. And you have a couple of ways to do it. But so the ownership, that's interesting. That is that how unique is that with your model that they own, typically will have an opportunity to own the building and the real estate along with the business. Is, is that, that sounds like it would work out quite well. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where the early franchisees, uh, that we've had in the system have all owned their land and their buildings. And over the last three to four years, because of the cost increase in land and construction, is that it may prohibit some folks being able to get into this business from that type of, of side of it. Mm -hmm. And so the lease program was done to be able to say, hey, we can get in at a lower investment, but we can still own a very profitable business. And we have really nice, strong item 19 off of our franchise disclosure document numbers in terms of revenues and EBITDAs. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a strong investment business-wise, and then it can also be a strong investment from a real estate standpoint. But I'll, I'll let Amin tie into that too also just because he's got uh, a lot more knowledge in that area uh than i do yeah yeah no 
I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, having a uh, an option to lease, I think that creates a lot of opportunities for folks that, you know, don't necessarily want to tie their capital up in, in real estate. It allows them the opportunity to open a second location, uh, potentially at a faster rate. Uh, and I think to just addressing your your uh, previous question on area development, uh, Rob, you know, I think that is definitely an, uh, uh, a strategy that we're it, we've been interested in. Um, I think we'd have to find that right fit as a franchisee, you know, someone who has that passion, who has an operator and who has a real concrete plan of how they would open multiple locations in a, in a, you know, period of time, um, you know, really for us and what our strategy has been is, Hey, let's find you as a great operator. Once you've proven operating that first location really well, then let's talk about opening a, a, a second location. And I think that helps with making sure, Hey, they're not, overextending as far as capital, as far as building out an infrastructure, and that this is the right fit for them and for us as a franchisor. So, so that's been our growth um, model so far. Yeah. Yeah. I just, when I listen to guys like you talk, I'm thinking to myself, it would be extremely expensive to have you, you know, someone like you to advise me on, on, on those types of things. Right. I mean, these are, these are just high level things you wouldn't necessarily get involved with in your background, unless you happen to be in real estate or in different, you bought different businesses. But as I said, these are the pitfalls that really, uh, you know, keep people from success when they start their own business. Um, so let me ask you this. As we wrap the show up, I'd like to ask the question, and I'll give you guys both the opportunity to answer. Um, is there you know, any advice that you would give? And you could make this for someone that might be respectively looking at starting a business or a franchise or uh, somebody in the industry uh, that is maybe in your space. Any, any tips or advice on how, you know, if you're looking for the business, what should you be looking at for yourself and yourself? Or if you're in the industry that you're in, how can they become maybe closer to what you're doing and hit some of those those uh, those goals that you have where transparency, security, education? I'm sure you want other brands to lift their game. We all want our kids to do better. So, uh, But what advice would you guys have for either of those audiences? Yeah, I think, uh, I think from what my parents did 25 years ago really rings today is look at it from the consumer's perspective and work backwards from there. You know, what are the pain points that consumer is going through? You know, what is their uh, what is their destination like? Right. And then when you're building those differentiators, how difficult or easy is it to to replicate? And I think from that, you can kind of look at, you know, if it's a viable business or not um, and if it's worth starting or not. Um, mm -hmm. And from that, I think take time especially if you're thinking of franchising and invest in opening your own locations in multiple of your own locations. And I would say ideally in different markets, you know, you're the only way you're going to, I'll put it this way. I would feel more comfortable if I knew that the person franchising has gone through the pain points as myself as a franchisee. You know that they understand what it's like with a royalty and with a marketing fee right they know what it's like being an operator in multiple environments 
and that the and that the best practices are coming from someone that's proven. So we took that time over a course of ten years to really um, hone in on our operations, mul- open multiple open multiple locations, write all of our processes down before we decided to franchise, and I think that's what led to you know, led to success today. So I would, I would definitely advise, Hey, think of it from the end user, right? The child and the parent for our business, and then open those locations, understand the pain points before deciding to franchise. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well put. And I think again, it's why franchising is so successful, but you can see there's a lot of details to consider. It's not easy. And you guys invest 10 years, 10 years, learning the model, perfecting the model, getting better at the model. So that's what you're looking for when you want to partner with a franchise brand. Nick, what are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question because I think, you know, franchising in its own right is just a wonderful business model because the success rates are through the roof compared to a mom and pop, right? Uh, you know, the success rate of franchises runs somewhere uh, above 90%. You start your own mom and pop, your failure rate is somewhere about 50%, um, which is which is pretty large when you think about that. Uh, you know, and, and from a, you know, if you're looking at franchises out there that, that make sure you take the time to do the research and understand the business, the business model, uh, one of the approaches that, that I've taken for as long as I've been doing this is, is education of our business model. And, and Ivy kids has a great business model and there's so much information that someone needs to absorb, uh, to make a really good, well-reasoned business decision to decide whether this is right for them. And, but it also has to be right for the franchisor. I think there's this misconception that if I'm interested in brand a, that I'm going to get brand A versus, well, <laughs> let's educate you on our brand. And then simultaneously, we're going to learn about you. And then, so I'm educating you on, on Ivy Kids, and then you're educating us on yourselves. And at the end of the day, if those two match up and it's good for each side and it's a win-win, then it's great. But Sometimes it's not right for for the franchisor, and sometimes it's not right for the candidate, uh, and and that's an approach that that you know we we take very seriously at Ivy Kids, is that that it has to be a right fit. Yeah, that's the key to the success. It's the key to the growth, right? It's, it's it, no one's happy if someone if there's any failure. So. Uh, but you look, it's uh, like everybody understands it's a business and it takes effort and, 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 uh, uh, hard work, right? But you give everybody everything they need to, to succeed from there. Um, I really appreciate you guys. How can people learn more? How, what's the best way they can reach out? Obviously, visiting the website. Do you have a dedicated franchise website as well? But why don't you share some ways people can reach out to you guys if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, we have a dedicated website, um, ivykidsfranchise.com. You know, we have a lot of um, blogs that we post on um, about franchising, about childcare, um, about the trends that are in childcare. Uh, we've got a very active LinkedIn, so uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Um, we post frequently there. 
and you can always just email myself. It's my first name, Amin, A-M-Y-N, at ivykids.com, and uh, Dick at ivykids. So sorry, Dick, if I'm giving away your email address without your consent. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can reach out to us, uh, and, and we're happy to talk franchising, happy to talk Ivy Kids. Um, love to connect. Yeah, you got it. As long as it's not clickable, we'll share email addresses, right? I'll put them go. on the website. That, that could get that could get hazardous. But I do appreciate both of you guys. I really do. And I, and every time guys do that, I'm just like I'm blown away. Like yeah, to be able to talk to you for like 15 minutes about this business would be uh, it's awesome. Like you guys have such great knowledge of your industry and this model. I encourage anyone to reach out, and even if you're not quite sure where you're headed yet, you'll learn. There's a wealth of knowledge ahead of you talking to either of these gentlemen. So I encourage you to reach out and learn more. I do appreciate your time. I appreciate what you guys do, obviously, because I have two kids of my own. It was always so important. It still is. They're in college now, as I said earlier. But, uh, you know, it's important that that they get off to the right start. You never stop worrying about them. So this is so important, especially for young parents. So thanks for the work you're doing. Uh, to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, I welcome you back to the next one and I hope you guys join me again here into the future as we explore uh, changes and, and in the world and, and how you guys are uh, how you guys are adapting so I appreciate you guys again and thank you to the audience and bye for now thanks Rob <laughs>